0: Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart.
1: Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. I know I've been absent for most of, uh, well, for all of July. I had some unplanned emergency surgery. And I have been recovering ever since. So I'm excited to be able to get to do this show today. I'm excited to be here. I've got amazing guests for you. And the topic is so incredibly relevant considering everything I've been through this last month health-wise. And I'm excited to have um, a friend from the tech world on the show who, you know, like we've known each other through different avenues for a long time, and she happened to post and a Facebook group I'm in called Tech World's Half that her new app that she just created with Dr. Marta Becker has been released and it's called Journal My Health. And I was so excited about this because this idea of keeping track of your health so that you can better communicate with your doctors using the same language was incredible to me. And I couldn't believe that nobody else had really created an app to do this. The two of them created the app because of long, co- long haulers and COVID, but it really applies to anybody that's having long-term health symptoms so that you can easily track how you're doing and your progress. So please welcome to the show. We've got Tracy Wilson Rossman and Dr. Marta Becker, who is an otolaryngologist, or as most people are know you as an ENT, right? So welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you both here.
2: Thanks so much.
1: You know, when I, when I first saw that you had the app, and I, I did download it to my phone, and I was using it up until the whole hospital thing, um, I was like, you know, this is really, really cool. Number one, that you went to a health app, and, and number two, that you took very specifically long-haul covid as the reason for starting this because there's a lot of people that don't believe it exists, right? Except for the people that are going through it. And it it's something that isn't really talked about in the press either. But when I saw this, I went, you know what, I can use this for what's going on some of my chronic stuff as well. So who would, uh, I don't know if Dr. Becker, you're the first person to start it or Tracy, what, was the the tipping point for you guys to say must create this app i think tracy should hit that yeah
2: so actually this goes back a while so this is actually based on my experiences as somebody who has a chronic condition um but mine started 20 years ago and about uh eight years in um was when the smartphone came out um, and I was talking to my neurologist. So I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if you could keep all your information in your phone? Cause this was like back, you know, the wild, wild West days, right? right. The Early days. Um, so that idea was, you know, sort of new and um, kind of went down the path a little bit of like trying to figure out, you now um, my, my, My day job uh, is I work at a technology software consulting firm, so I'm immersed in technology and um, certainly always helping companies figure out how to use tech, either for their services or to, you know, put their product out, Um, but the idea got put aside due to the founding of tech girls and that took up some time um, and didn't bring this back up until last year uh, when the CEO of chariot solutions, where I work um, said, Hey, you know, we have some time uh, right now. If anyone has an idea Um, I wound up having a flare and um, had done my first telehealth with, with my uh, my PT. And I was like, I think it's time to bring this back. And that was a that was probably in you know when we started talking about it, April of last year. Um, long haul, I think, started coming out around June, mm-hmm. and I think I met Marta sometime maybe around July.
0: Yeah, August. July. August.
2: Yeah. So we we're recent. I mean, we're like peas in the pod. Like we are definitely like. The introduction, the person who introduces, definitely a matchmaker, um, <laughs> and it was just like perfect timing because um, when you start um, a company, to find a co-founder is is hard because like it's a marriage. But we'll, we can yeah, talk about that totally. That's a whole other subject. Um, but the reason, um. I want to go down the long hauler path and why this is it's long haul and chronic conditions um, has to do with my experience with my journey. And even though what's going on what went on with me is so much different in terms of the treatment and the, the logistics of it, how the, the, the operations of figuring out what's wrong with you, going to the doctors, the tests, the amount of paperwork, the in-between appointments, having to explain what's going on when you're in that diagnosis phase. And then you move from diagnosis phase, hopefully into treatment phase. And then from treatment, you go to maintenance. And maintenance, when you have a chronic condition and Long haulers, from what I I have read, and I think Marta can agree with me at this point, from the from the medical standpoint, is it is a it is going to be a virus that kicks off autoimmune issues right. and other um, chronic conditions. So long hauler will be how you got this particular, whether it's you know chronic fatigue syndrome or POTS. Um, that's what's going to to kick it off so the idea behind the app is how are you keeping all this information together that's self-reported but the kicker here is that we are adding see i couldn't have done this 12 years ago because this did not exist so biometric devices and we're also taking some data that's being collected behind the scenes on your phone so we're taking environmental data, which happens to be the weather, but environmental is also your heartbeat and your activity level. And how are we combining that with patient-generated self-reported data? So all of this patient-generated data can then be put into a reporting structure um, that can then be sent easily to your doctor or printed out and you know, one of the things that we have to understand, we are coming at this from the patient standpoint, but you have stakeholders in your healthcare providers, which is why it's so important that Marta Marta's with, with us because we're the patients, we understand that journey, but we don't understand the other side. And we need to have um, a good understanding of how that doctor or healthcare provider wants to interact with that data. So I'll I'll just stop right now, but that's, that's basically the premise of it. So um, there is a, I hate saying that there's a universality to chronic conditions because of course each one has its own, you know, pieces and parts, but there is that infrastructure of how you're dealing with all that information. And, you know, now that I've put this out, hear so many stories of people I did not know had issues or a family member has an issue and it's the same thing that they keep telling me there's so much you know they're dealing with so many doctors they have to retell the story um, again and again they can't remember everything Mm -hmm. Um, and the biggest thing that I learned from Marta in one of our early conversations is that doctors are detectives
1: and they're looking for some doctors I'm just going to say Some doctors are detectives. Other doctors are just, you know, like you have 10 minutes with me and this is probably what you got and you're out the door. We I'll I'll, I'll try and put a positive
2: spin because we did talk to doctors. Uh, Martin and I did do, you know, our customer journey. We did the customer journey with the patients. We did the customer journey with the doctors and they don't have as much time. And that is correct. They do have 20, 25 minutes. So having this story put together, um, and I'll, I'll send this over to Morgan So I think that that's an important. Yeah. That's a good segue for you.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, ideally, you know, we're all detectives and I don't, I'm not going to like address bad apples or whatever, but I think it's helpful. You know, it's hard for patients to understand, but helpful um, especially if you have a doctor that, you know, you trust and you think is trying to help you right. to sort of also give them the benefit of the doubt and be like, wow, how can I help them help me? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to go in and put it all on my page and like, well, you're not telling me what I need to hear. But in order to make it a, a really functional relationship where everybody has the same goal in mind, it's really important too for the for the patient to kind of, it's funny because I like the name of your podcast. Like it's all about the questions because totally. Thank you. I mean I say that about my own, I say that to my medical students, you know, like you got to ask the right questions and, 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 and so does the patient. Right. So, and you have to ask it of the right doctor as well. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you don't have a good relationship, you have to move yeah. on like if you've lost uh, confidence or whatever, but especially with something that's hard to sort out, you know, coming in with kind of pre-digested um, thoughts about what could be going on or what kinds of questions are really like the most valuable um, is super helpful to, for patients to kind of prepare for a visit. And Journal My Health, you know, right now we're, our focus is on a lot of like tracking and journaling, so we're, we're pulling in a lot of data from, from like Tracy said, from weather, biometrics, self-reported symptoms, which we think is really important and really different because a lot of the apps out there, there are apps for things like migraine or mood, but they they, and research um, studies in general, force the patient to answer only the questions that the clinician wants the patient to answer. So with something especially like long COVID or maybe an autoimmune disorder that's new that we don't know what category it's gonna fall into, being able to ask the patient, well, what's really going on with you? All of the things. What do you think is important is really different. And I think uh, you know one of the things that I was taught in medical school, you know, ask the open-ended question at the beginning and then go from there. You know, so we're really trying to capture that idea that that the questions that the patient brings and that questions that the doctor can ask are the most important things that happen in in an interaction, and it is time sensitive. So having an organizational plan. With your app, which eventually will become probably more of a platform to organize care, um, is really important. So I, I mean, I, and I think Tracy was very, it's, it's very timely with COVID because there's so little known about it. And it's, we're only a year into this pandemic, really, you know, in, in this country. So understanding, you know, who is going to have lasting symptoms and who isn't, some people get better from long COVID, you know, there's a lot of people that do get get through it and seem to be out the other side. But Um, But we have to understand, you know, what's going to happen with these people. And we really believe, not to get ahead of things, but we really believe, too, that when patients collect their own data, that that will probably be data for a much larger, I believe this, that will be data for a larger study later on. That's not a, you know, that's more of a, like, let's collect a large population study. Yeah.
2: And one thing that we will be doing, that we'll be doing in the fall Um, because we are talking to so many um, patients, people who have chronic conditions, they're journaling. Um, They may not be journaling in the most, you know, organized way, but they're taking notes. Um, And there's very few studies about patients who are journaling and how they have interactions with doctors, um, so we want to do um, a survey to see how many people are actually journaling so that we have a better idea. Because I believe it's a lot more than uh, the medical community has us even
0: realize. It's a lot, I mean, yeah. it's a lot of people they bring their journals in. I see them <laughs> the binders. The, yeah. binders, the binders, nurse, right? No pads, yeah.
1: Yeah, I have a binder that has blank pages in it and, you know, like it's a day planner and then it has a calendar. So I can write certain information on each calendar date, like everything I took, you know, supplement, medication, whatever wise. And I'll always jot a little note in there about how I'm feeling. And then there's blank pages for more involved conversation or if I want to track food for whatever reason. And You know, when I started when I downloaded your app after I had seen your post, Tracy, what was really interesting to me was how much is in your database behind the scenes, especially around medications and supplements and different things like that. There's very few things that are out there that take that holistic viewpoint of a person. And that that's why I wanted to have the both of you on the show, right? Because I think, as you said, Tracy and Dr. Marta, you said that as well, the world's shifting to the way healthcare is sort of beginning to function. COVID escalated the teledoc, the telehealth appointments, where a doctor's not even physically in the room with you sometimes. I get notes from my insurance provider saying, you know, you can just go onto this app and Find a doctor, somebody that's actually never seen you in person for whatever reason. It's really great if you've got some cold symptoms or whatever, but that person can't palpate. You know, they can't, you kind of stick your tongue out in the camera and everything, but Mm -hmm. it's not the same. And having a journal created with a doctor and somebody who's been through chronic health situations, I think is a really great way to get people to start asking different questions about what's working in healthcare, what's not working right. in healthcare, what's working in patient-focused care versus non-patient-focused care, right? So if you're going to a specialist or you're going to internal medicine or a family practitioner, it's it's a different kind of conversation. Um, my listeners all know this, and Tracy, you may know this as well, um, For three years, I've been dealing with Tulio syndrome and hyperacusis, where certain frequency sounds will literally, I can black out. Uh So COVID to me was wonderful in that everybody else was stuck in their house like I had already been for two years. So for me, I was like, it sucks that it's COVID and that people are dying, including people I know, or getting long haul or getting sick. But I felt like, oh, okay, I'm not missing out on anything. People now understand what's going on with me. And, you know, I can't yeah. get out in the world. But I had to learn the hard way over years because I had been misdiagnosed several times. I mean, yeah. I had a chief of infectious disease of a hospital tell me I was sick because I was depressed because I wasn't with a man. I had babesiosis from a tick bite and it had gotten into my brain. I lost 30 IQ points. Wow. They didn't notice it because I started at a 160. I knew I was hurting really bad and there was something really long. Finally, my doctor got me to a neurologist from. Israel, because he's like you went to Israel. Maybe you picked up something there. And the guy's a Lyme specialist, and he goes through my records. You know, check it this big, pulls one piece of paper out. Is he still asking me questions? And he said it is in your head, but I can get rid of it. You've got a bug in your head throughout your body. So he knew to ask certain questions. So that's really important. And I had every test that had been done. And I had notes I had taken. Your solution makes it easier now, because it's kind of hard to refute day by day kind of things. But if you don't get to the right doctor with this information, that understands it, right, understands the data. I mean, Marta, you've probably had people come in who had a sore throat, you know, and or their ear itched or hurt, and they're going like this, you know, trying to figure it out. Those are wonderful things for an ENT. But I happen to know my ENT diagnosed me with GERD before laryngeal reflux before my GI doctor did, because they looked in my throat and went, yeah, that's not the normal sore throat look. Yeah, we do. So my question becomes, when you were putting this together, what questions were you asking yourselves to make sure that you could capture the data and have it be valuable for the patient and the healthcare provider? Long way around to that,
0: but I need to. <laughs> Well, start, or, and then I'll take it. Yeah, I think the, I think one side. of the important things like we started out with some of the chronic symptoms of covid. That was kind of our jumping off right. point, you know. We looked at what are what are people struggling with with this disorder, but I think that it quickly we quickly realized that we really did also want that open-ended piece there. So, I don't know if you know this about the app, but there's a there's a series, there's a menu of things you can choose from like I want to keep track of my dizziness or my fatigue or my heart palpitations or whatever but there's also a way to add in anything you want so if you have a your your ear turns red you know we didn't put that in as one of the symptoms but yeah there it is there it is trying
1: to get it so people can kind of see Mm -hmm. these different things whatever it is that you're going to be doing
2: a customer journey report with us
1: oh easy easy. you know i was in it i owned it yeah i know Computer science degree,
0: geek. And the same is true with your treatment. So, you know, if you're doing a treatment, an alternative treatment that we didn't think of to put in there, like you're doing a neti pot with golden seal or whatever, just throw it in there, you know, if you think it's relevant. And the whole point of the app is that it's going to help us sort out what's relevant and what's not relevant, right? Right. That's the whole idea behind the the making graphs and correlations is that we can say, it doesn't seem to make a difference if the golden seal is there or not, but it seems that it does make a difference if you, You know, just the fact that you wash every day, or your nose. I'm talking about nasal symptoms because that's my world. But my point is, um, that's the whole idea that um, that an app can do these simple things now, but over time, add even some AI in to sort of, you know, maybe we we're hoping someday we can download the labs and everything that's positive will come into a little. These are the positive findings, and these are the negative findings, and you know, it will help organize your data so the doctor doesn't have to honestly, go through the pile, you know, cause it's hard, it's hard to do that. It takes a special doctor to go through a big pile. Um, and,
2: and I think coming through, coming from the patient side, you know, again, these two worlds have to meet. Um, so, but coming from the patient side, you know, I learned from my care team, how important it was for the symptom wasn't always the indicator of what was wrong. It was, it, it led to other things. So I was probably more attuned than maybe somebody who was, who wasn't coming at it with my, my background. Now, the other thing, because I've got Chariot Solutions, who is an investor in the new company. So they've been doing the development and we, you know, we're using the same process that we use with any of our clients, which is going down and doing the customer journey, making sure, you know, I have my standpoint and Marta has her standpoint, but we have to talk to people who are using it or would think about using it. We don't want to, we have to make some assumptions as, you know, the creators, but we also need to make sure that we're listening to those who are impacted on a daily basis. And, um, We need to, you know, we're going into our next version and we're creating that product roadmap Um, and we need to go back out to people who are using it. Laura, I'll be calling you. Um, But we also need to talk to the doctors because we want to make sure that when you come in and you show them this data, that they're going to be, um, you know, they have 20, 25 minutes to see you. I'm only giving them. Are we giving them the view that they need? Um, you know, so I think that that's important. And and just one last point, I think, you know, we have to think. Yes, Mart is looking for patterns. Doctors are looking for patterns. That is the community. But, Laura, you know, I know we're individuals. So yeah. there are nuances to what is happening to us. And you could be that you know, you see those uh, drug commercials, and they'll say you may experience these, you know, all of these symptoms after taking this drug. And we know that that's probably for like you know, 0.001 percent, but you could be that 0.001 percent, or you could have something else that you know crept in. Um, how are we in the how are we in the healthcare continuum? making sure that the individual individuality is also captured.
1: I, I love that because, you know, when I was in this house in the hospital, they gave me a, a drug called caraphate for my stomach because they thought it maybe the ulcer perforated or, or whatever. Right. And, I started having breathing difficulties and they kept telling me, Oh, you're having a panic attack. You're anxious. And they were trying to give me Xanax and everything. And I'm like, no, 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 this is not that there is a complete difference in the (laughs) way you feel when you're anxious versus breathless. And I finally Googled it, right? Found out facial swelling and breathlessness is a side effect. They refused to believe me because it's a rarer side effect. So I literally stop the nurses from giving me the drug and my yeah. symptoms went away and they're like, that can't be it. I said, so do I have to die in here first? Take another one of this pill and you can watch me and watch the symptoms come back. And then another doctor that they came on duty and they mentioned it to him. He goes, she's having a severe allergic reaction. Are you idiot? Stop giving her the drug. Uh, so, so, you know, I, yeah, I, I think one of the I
2: love. that you, I mean, the app can only do so much and, and, right. you know, we want to be careful as we move on of, you know, we, we're, we're not going to give a diagnosis like that. No,
1: but that's, just right? letting somebody list that and then maybe well, pop up when you see a new, a new medication, like added, well, say this is the point. what's this, changed.
0: This is the right. point that like you, you know, you can quibble, say you and I, Laura say, we didn't agree. Say I was like, nah, the caraphate's not giving you an allergic reaction, but you said to me, listen, at eight o'clock I took this pill and at nine o'clock my face swelled up and I had trouble breathing. And then I got better. And then the second time at eight o'clock at night, the same thing happened again. And the next day it happened again. Mm-hmm. Then, then I can here and say, listen, I still don't think it's a allergic reaction, whatever. It doesn't matter what I think because the fact is you have data that says, mm-hmm. I took the pill, I felt like crap. I took the pill, I felt like crap. And we can quibble about the reason but the fact is the outcome's the same. You stop mm-hmm. the pill. So that's 100%. where you know to answer your question about like how do you get doctors to listen to you? The answer is you just come with hard facts. You know, right. y- you yeah. can insist on reasons for things to happen or not, and, and unfortunately, doctors and patients get in that fight all the time. But it's a useless fight because yeah. the, because the, the common answer, the the goal is the same for the patient to feel well. And even the most like hard boiled nasty of doctors is still gonna you know say yeah yeah I want my patient to feel better. You know and if a patient says look i don't i take this thing it doesn't it doesn't work for me and has keeping track and look here's the thing th- there's no other answer it's going to not happen anymore so i really feel that that's one way to cut through some of that relationship stuff and i think you've just given a really nice example of a way in which you tracked your own symptoms in your mind this time right not yeah. on a piece of paper or in a, in a phone but you tracked it yourself and i said look this is a correlation You know, and that's what we, that's what we both need to understand.
1: Right. I love that the app gives you that ability to do it really easily. Now, I didn't use it while I was in the hospital because my fevers were high. I just knew what was going on, you know, and, um, but there are a lot of people that don't have my, I'm not my my medical knowledge. Okay. Um, I'm really good at patient advocating my dad had Parkinson's. My mom had chronic heart conditions. My brother died when I was 10 when, of um, a congenital heart defect. So, you know, I've learned over the years how to read blood work, how to read a CT scan report and see the nuances and all of that. But I'm not the norm when it comes to healthcare knowledge, right? I research the heck out of things because of the issues that I've seen, right? Right. So to most of my listeners that are listening to this episode right now and or maybe watching it cuz you know we record the video and everything as well what do you say to them when they're starting to embark on using this or maybe they've never thought about journaling what might be going on with their health what do you say to them to help them begin this conversation not like, don't even worry about the doctor right now, but right. this is a conversation they have to have with themselves. That's right. Right. So That's for, right.
2: I'll take it, I'll, I'll take it from the patient side. You want to take it from the, yeah. um, so, you know, from the patient side, just like anything, this is discipline, right? You, you have to make sure that you are doing this daily. We have a reminder in there every other day, because the more information you're putting in, the you know, the more data, the, the better. That's one of the reasons why, you know, and, and not everybody, you know, I forget and it's my, you know, it's it's my app, um, but I forget to do it on some days. Um, that's why I think the more that we can bring in what I'm terming passive data, data is already out there because um, you're still tracking some things. Yep. And then from there, again, it's discipline. It's taking a look. Um, your health is a job, right? And getting better is a job that you have to take on whether you like it or not. Um then you know, going through and saying, okay, huh? I did not sleep well for three days in a row and my arm hurt. Maybe there's something there. Or, you know, for me, it's always been, and it took me a while to, to figure this out, but there's definitely a correlation between weather and certain body parts, especially in my neck. And, you know, early on, I mean, hurricanes would come through. I remember I thought I was going to chop my arm off. But, um, you know, when you start being able to recognize that, I wish I had had the data at that point to be able to go to my doctor um, to say, okay, maybe there's nothing we can do here, but this is definitely impacting how I feel. Mm-hmm. And then I can have a better, the whole point is, And and you understand this, Laura, and I understand this, and I think Marta understands this. We as patients, we are consumers as patients. We have to take responsibility, and and be active in our, um, in our journey, in our recovery, and our maintenance. Because this is another sort of secret that if you're on, you have to be in the the chronic condition club, unfortunately, but. When you have a chronic condition, most likely you are never, you are not going to be like you were before. So right. you have to understand that there is a new level of normal for you and how, what's that bar? How are you keeping that? Because there will be flares, things will happen. So, you know, I'm here in in a good stead because I've been, you know, I'm disciplined about it, but if I, I think I, I may have had a better experience in the early phases, if I had been tracking, right. And as we were going through the diagnosis and the treatment phase and figuring out what was going on, um, that would work for me. So um, knowledge is power, especially with this and being able to articulate what is going on and, t- and talk to your doctor about it. I think is really important.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The world's kind of changed. And then we'll go over to you. I remember when my dad first got diagnosed with Parkinson's after not being able to figure out what was going on. And, you know, I then proceeded to Google like crazy everything I could about Parkinson's and medications and treatment plans and everything. And I sent my dad a list of questions because he was in Florida and I lived in Connecticut at the time and I couldn't get to that appointment And it was way before doctors would allow you to bring a phone in with an extra person. Right. Mm -hmm. And the questions were things like, what can I expect to happen? You know um, what about side effects? What are things I need to begin thinking? You know, like you just got diagnosed with a disease that will kill you and change your life. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, I can't, I can't bring those questions in. And I asked him why. And he said, well, he'll, The doctor doesn't want to have me asking questions. I just need to do whatever he says. What do I do if he won't listen to my questions? Oh, my gosh. And I just, on the phone with my dad, and I'm almost in tears, and I just wanted to get on a plane, I said, if he refuses to answer your questions, you walk out the door and we will get you another neurologist. Because you cannot be going into this horrible disease with a doctor that refuses to listen to you the world's changed, right? Because people are more educated now that the internet is so easy to WebMD and put yourself down a rabbit hole. So Marta, Dr. Becker, from your viewpoint, how does that work for you and from your perspective, pulling all of this together?
0: Well, I think there's two phases. And I, I, you know, I think it is important to understand that I you know, that I consider, like, when I have a patient, we're working on something that we, we are in a partnership. And um, so I, you know, I sometimes people will come in, and I'll say, well, how are you doing? And they're like, well, I'm kind of the same as the last visit. And I said, okay, so did we do all the things we discussed? And they say, no, I didn't do any of them. That <laughs> but, happens a lot. Right? And right? I go, oh, well, so, you know, so, but, but, but that's more like a, a side, I guess, um, what I was going to say was the one thing I really liked about um about this app and you know tracy and i have talked about this before is that it, it allows both the patient and the doctor to be detectives so you know the patient's so much more involved now in their own care and in in some ways you can see that as sort of like offloading the responsibility but i would prefer to see it in a more positive light as sharing the responsibility and
1: mm-hmm. i
0: think that when patients are empowered to un- understand their own experience better and I think journaling, whether it's our health or our mental health or our relationship, I mean, journaling in general, I think, helps us to gain insight over our experience. Right. Um, I think that, that that act helps the whole journey, you know, even doctor aside, right? Put the doctor aside. It's just being able to understand what things help you, what things hurt you, what are your patterns, Um is an important part of being a patient or even just being a person. So um, and and I got to tell you, I think, you know, it's it's an excellent um, tool for long COVID patients and it is an excellent tool for people with chronic conditions. But I actually think it's really a very generalizable tool for even people with something like headaches or like PMS or like, you know, arthritis or something. I mean, you could almost make it about anything. And that's kind of what I love about it. Um, because it, it even, it even takes the doctor like out of the picture for a lot of us and just says like, I have this annoying thing that keeps happening to me. Why, when, you know, and, I and mean, there, there's no doctor that's going to be able to tell a patient that that's just going to be the patient figuring it out, you know? So I mean, those I, apps,
1: my fitness pal, right. People track everything they eat and do all yeah. that. Their- Mm -hmm. Why can't we track our health? Well, and, and hopefully at some point, my fitness pal
2: will be part, you know, an API that we're going to bring in. That's, that's an, you know, these are, these are some of the things that we're thinking about. If you're putting that information in, why can't you bring that into our app? Hopefully that'll be, you know, this, this again, like how, what are we, what do we need to bring in? Is there a food journal? Well, you know, my fitness pal does that. Um, Marta and I have talked about, um, and I'm hoping that we're going to be able to do this in the next go round, um, bringing in tracking cycles, a woman's menstrual cycle. Right. Um, you know, I think that that we know that hormones are going to screw with your medication
0: that you're taking. It's just right. happening. You have a different body in your two halves of your cycle your estrogen cycle and your progesterone cycle are just two different bodies and they can behave very differently. So it's good so, to know when you're living in. Yeah. So having that
2: information, you know, we talked to, um, you know, unfortunately somebody uh, who was a cancer patient. Um, and she said that she was tracking to see when it, and she wasn't sharing this with her doctor, but she was figuring out when were good times within that, the, the chemo cycle, she would be able to figure out when she could have lunch with somebody or, you know, coffee, because she had an idea of when, you know, what was going to happen when, because it was Great. pretty consistent. Um, so, you know, we are, we are talking to long COVID. We are talking to chronic, Um Probably, you know, future investors will say we should be (laughs) focused. Um, But, you know, we did create this with the idea, you know, again, this is coming from the, the tech side of also just thinking about, you know, how your database is structured and, you know, can we skin this, you know, could we bring somebody in right now, it doesn't ask you for um, your diagnosis. We're probably, we're probably going to be putting that in at some point if you choose to put it. So, you know, a future plan on the roadmap would be, well, if you put in that you had chronic fatigue syndrome, the things that were more likely to be part of CFS would be the ones that would come up first. So there's some interoperative, in, interoperability between, you know, these, these different you know, but we're, we've only been out for three months, so <laughs> we have lots, yes. lots of things on the roadmap. You know, one thing that I do want to, I do want to mention, and why um, I believe journaling is going to become even more important. Um, it is, you know, we talked about uh, earlier um, about the consumerization of um, healthcare, and when I when I say that, I mean it from the consumer, the patient side, the person side, not the clinician side, um, and how there's going to be a shift where and it seems like, oh well, it's healthcare, it's about the patient, but it's I feel it's more about the the group versus the individual. When we take a look at what's happening in terms of economics, we have to take a look about how are we creating cost savings um, that make sense that aren't about draconian, methodology of like, you know, or, or raising healthcare rates, the the reality is, is that, you know, almost half the country has some sort of chronic condition, some which, is sad. Than, which is sad, but it's a reality. Yeah. So we need to do something um, to acknowledge that healthcare, the, the healthcare system is part of the equation but how are we bringing in the patient, the individual, the consumer of these services, so that we are being more effective, um, we're being more efficient, but we're not, you know, losing the humanity of when you're dealing with something that, you know, is um, emotional, yeah. right? you when you're when you're not feeling
1: well, it's emotional, and when you're in that emotional state, like the day I showed up at the ER, I, I literally grabbed every supplement, everything, threw everything in a bag, took my notebook that tracked and charted everything of everything I had right. been taking, and, and blood work. I printed out recent blood work and all of that thanks to Quest. But when you're in that emotional state, if it goes from chronic to acute, you know, and you're a little delirious with 102.5 fever. Somehow, if you're alone doing that, and somebody's not advocating for you, I feel like the app can help provide some background or detail because people are beginning to travel again. You don't know where you're going to go. I mean, I remember going to Israel with some friends, the one that after that my symptoms started, and I spiked 104 fever after floating in the Dead Sea. <laughs> and like, do we go to a doctor? Do we not go to a doctor? There were three of us. And finally they got me to a pharmacist and he didn't speak English and I didn't speak Hebrew. My friend spoke a little bit of Hebrew and she's trying, but not medical Hebrew to talk to, cause you right. go to the pharmacist there for a lot of different things. And finally he points at me and starts to point to different parts of my body. <laughs> And we were able to translate, you know, those kind of things. And thankfully it was just some, something. And I managed to get the fever down at one point it hit 106, but we still, you know, yeah, it was, it was bad. Um, But, you know, I got the stuff and, and we were gone, we were good. The app seems to help for that chronic kind of thing, help with a historical perspective, for somebody it's not going to help say with the acute that might be happening yeah but what you know covid's an acute thing that then can become a chronic thing correct right so can you guys explain perhaps marta in a better way i don't know if there's a better way than what i just did but, yeah. you know, acute versus chronic and why it's so important for the patient and the caregiver to understand the difference and how to talk to your doctor about those kind of
0: things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's all about timing, right? So one of the, one of the first things that I, actually, I think it's the first thing that I usually ask a patient, and it's surprisingly, people often forget to present it to me right at the beginning, but they'll say, oh, you know, my ear is killing me. And I'll say, well, how long has this been going on? when did it first start? And, you know, so trying to understand the timing of a complaint, we call them complaints and patients, are was like, I'm not complaining, but you know, that's a medical <laughs> term for like, whatever it is that are feeling, um, is, um, is, is very important. So we actually have three medical terms that first is acute, then there's like subacute, right. Uh, which is kind of like suburbia between like your, urban <laughs> area and your rural area, but it's basically like you have your acute things, your subacute things, and then your, your chronic things. So You know, acute things are things that come on suddenly. They're often dramatic, you know, like a lot of pain. Like my gallbladder. (laughs) Right, high fever. You're fine one day and then the next day, not fine. And those are things that are either, those are acute things. Now, sometimes those are flares, right, of a chronic problem. We call them acute on chronic or an acute flare up of a chronic problem. But those are words that we use that talk about the timing and intensity. So things that are acute are sudden, they're dramatic, things that are chronic are long lasting, have been happened, there's a story arc to them. There's often a repetition or, you know, things that can actually be understood, sometimes not, but basically they've been there a long time. And then the subacute things are somewhere in between when you're going through the transition phase between an acute problem. So for COVID, it would be like, you're sick, And often long COVID patients, I don't know if you know this, but they're often not that sick. You know, they often get like cold symptoms, maybe a little achy day, have a low grade fever, shake it off, but then start to feel like they never really got better. Now they're having heart palpitations or now when they just climb the stairs to their bedroom, they're short of breath and that never used to happen before. So there's a transition period going from the acute symptoms that have now resolved to something else that is going to not resolve on its own so quickly. So I don't know if that answers the question.
1: No, it, that answered it perfectly. I, I had forgotten about the subacute.
0: And, yes. and then oh, I,
1: yeah. The acute on chronic was kind of interesting that the way you phrase that, because I think for a lot of people, there's a lot of that going on, you know, and when do you go to a doctor?
0: When don't you go to a doctor for whatever the flare <laughs> may be? It, and- a good example of that would be like when you get a cold and you're left with bronchitis, Okay. You know, that, like you get a cold, you're sick, like, you kind of go through it, you know, it starts in your throat, it goes up to your sinuses, then you get the drip, then you started coughing. But the cough lasts like three weeks. Eh. And you know, it's not going to be a chronic condition because you're just having a post viral bronchitis and you just need some nebs and maybe some steroids and maybe an antibiotic you're going to be okay. But it, it's definitely not the acute phase. And it's not going to last last, but it's dragging, right. That's like a good example of like, what would be that?
1: yeah okay. or in my case head cold goes to pneumonia so
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah yeah um, but you know
1: that's it's really interesting because i think a lot of people nowadays more more than we think of don't really know anymore do i go to a doctor don't i go to a doctor Is this something I can just treat over the counter? A lot of people are, afraid, especially during COVID, people have been afraid to go to doctors and afraid to go to hospitals. And doctors have been afraid to see patients. Petrified. I had several of my doctors. It's like, okay, they're they're as far away as they can possibly be, even though we're all masked. I, I had to ask a doctor to go check everything one day because I was feeling like there was something going on. And like you could tell, he was afraid to touch me. And I'm like, okay, well, somebody has to because there's something going on, you know? So with all of that, as as a doctor, Dr. Becker, what do you say to people to help them, number one, feel comfortable talking to the doctor about things that perhaps their parents have always told them, tough it out. This too shall pass. Or to somebody that has been disparaged by doctors, discounted by them and not heard them, Mm -hmm. to help them sort of free themselves up to have a conversation, an open and honest conversation, app or no app? Yeah. What what would you say?
0: It's a great question. You know, honestly, I think it's one of the gifts of telemedicine. I. I don't love telemedicine. and in fact when i had to stay home and just see patients over the computer to be honest i i kind of hated it like <laughs> i just didn't like it uh, i like to be in the room there's things you can only do with your hands especially as a surgeon you know we're proceduralists we do all kinds of stuff to people and so working on the computer was really hard but there is a very nice place for let's have a conversation you know so if someone is interested in just wants to know, like, what do I do about this? Do I come to see you? Do I go to someone else? Like, let's take a good history. Let's do the first part of the visit, you know, because the first part of the visit is talking and the last part of it is visit is talking. And then there's the exam in the middle. And sometimes we can't get that done very well on the computer, but that's okay. You can come and see me later for that, right? Okay. But for right now, if you just want to understand, like, what do I need to do? Like, what, what do I do? You know, that's a wonderful place for telemedicine because, because it also is less disruptive for the patient, right? So you don't have to like get in the car, go to a place, find parking, pay for parking, figure out where the office is, wait 20 minutes in the waiting room, then sit in the exam room, then take your clothes off. I mean, it's a whole thing, right? So if you just want to be like, what what do I need? Let's just talk. Telemedicine's great. And I I honestly think that's going to be one of the revolutions that comes with this you know, with this sort of digital wave that's coming to healthcare that COVID forced in, I think there's going to be benefits like that, that come out of it, that change the structure of our relationships with patients. And I don't think it's a hundred percent of a bad thing. I, I don't think you can totally take care of someone over the computer. Absolutely not. But I think it makes for different opportunities. And I think that's one of them. And you can also kind of see if a doctor and you gel, you know, you can, you can not leave your office take 15 minutes out of your day to have a new patient appointment with someone and figure out that guy's a jerk. I'm not going to talk to him anymore. Next doctor, you know, you do that. And it's really a lot of less skin off your back. So I think, I mean, to answer your question, I, I think that's a big opportunity. Um, And also I don't think doctors expect that um, you to make your own. I mean, I actually don't like it when patients kind of make their own diagnosis. I like when they come with a lot of data, but I don't like a patient to come in and say, oh, I've had recurring ear infections for a year when I've never had them before. And no one can figure it out. Because I'm like, well, if no one can figure it out, maybe you haven't been having recurring ear infections. Do you know what I mean? So a premature diagnosis and something that isn't resolved, I don't think is helpful. And so I don't expect the patient to be able to tell me, oh, do I need to see you or I don't need to see you? That's not your job, right? Your job is to come and say, something's wrong. Do I need you or not? And I'll tell you. So I I think it's just being open with, with a question and being, you know, not, not expecting too much of yourself as a patient, but just try to bring in all the information you can and let us do the sorting with you. That's what I think. Okay. Great.
1: Tracy, you want (laughs) to add anything into that?
2: No. If I ever had an an ENT issue, I'm definitely going to see Dr. (laughs) 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 Morta.
0: Thanks, Tracy.
1: Yeah. You know, I, with my whole ear issue after the car thing that, that triggered it, I learned how many different levels of ENTs there are Mm. as well. You know, I always thought just go to my ENT and my ENT was just an arrogant little ass is the only way I can describe him. Well, that's not hard.
2: So
1: no, totally not. That's very obvious at this point. And I went to another guy who actually ran a whole battery, of tests, And he's like, I can't help you. I need to get you to this neurologist researcher guy because I think I know what you have, but I don't deal with it. You know? So So that's interesting, Marta, that you talked about the whole telehealth helping create that conversation because sometimes, you know, it takes three months to get a physical appointment with some specialists and then you get there and you're in and out in 10 minutes, but it call with them somehow that person can see, okay, I've listened to everything. I've looked at your data, maybe from Journal My Health. Here's who I think you should go to. And exactly. you know, you've paid for that telehealth call or whatever it might be, or maybe you haven't. Um, but I think that's a, a great thought process too, because a lot of people don't think about, I need to just have an intro call with a doctor concierge doctors do that a lot right because they want to make sure you're a fit for them and you want to make sure if you're going to spend a three thousand dollars a year or more for a concierge but that's not open to everybody right so tracy you were going to say something
2: totally lost my train of thought but um
1: (laughs) sorry i was just no 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 it's okay
2: i just you know i think what we're basically saying is this is a partnership right um you know with any partnership, sometimes you don't have the right person. Okay. Um, sometimes you need to move on, and it's okay. And I think that patients have to understand that. Um, I'm not sure everybody has the ability to have a multitude of doctors. You know, we live right. in an urban area. Uh, Martin and I actually live near each other, and um, you know, we're very we're blessed to have a cornucopia of people that we can see that's, mm-hmm. you know, that are probably within an hour's distance right. of where we live. Not everybody has that opportunity. It's
1: a dearth where yeah. I am.
2: Right. So, you know, and I think that we're going to see a lot more of that happening, you know, where I'm, I i do not want to go down the, the telehealth, but certainly that's going to be something that can help. And and then again, having that information not of good. keeping those records, again, this is, this is part of your work, you know, when we're not talking about acute at this point, we are talking about, you know, something that is more chronic or you're in a flare. Um, but you know, knowing yourself, knowing what's, what's right, what's wrong, you know, even in an acute situation, just knowing what you can talk about, realizing what's happening, being in tune, um, that's part of what you should be doing That's part of your job mm-hmm. um, a, as a person, because the more information that you can give your doctor, I always tell my kids, I don't care if, if you think that it's the silliest thing, exactly. that's not for you to determine. You tell them because I have learned that, you know, the little nummy tingly thing that's at the my forefinger is actually, uh, you know, that is a trail of breadcrumbs for the doctor or you know my physical therapist
0: yeah astute clinicians will take batting practice with that stuff you know they'll say well i got a new cat and we'll be like okay maybe not the cat but we'll put it over there you know and you know what i mean like it's a triage of stuff whenever everything that i love i like to hear it all people yeah. say well i don't know if this is important but i got a new vacuum cleaner i'm like okay cool and <laughs> you know I'll, I'll give
2: you a quick example and I, I know we're coming towards the end you know uh before <laughs> The fall before COVID, I had some rotten, it was probably a virus. I don't even know. I wound up in the emergency room. They asked me every question. Had I been on a cruise? Had I eaten in a buffet? They had no idea what caused, what What had caused, but they asked every single question. It didn't matter. At the end of the day, it was, you know, something that they could treat it needed to run its course i it needed not to get dehydrated that was really the main thing but it was amazing like i hadn't even thought about eating at a buffet but these were the questions that they were asking um okay. and I, I was happy that they were because maybe there was something that was yeah. out of the you know right. like having having some parasite or, or whatever you had yeah. from israel um so I think it, you know, it's important. There isn't anything that's too mundane for them.
1: Yeah, I love that. So, last thought before we close up the show, from either or both of you, last thoughts that you would hope people take away.
0: Um, I'll let you finish, but I'll just say I, I think I think journaling, like I said before, I think journaling is important for people, and I think journaling your health is, is 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 a healthy habit to me, just like brushing your teeth. Um, and I think it, I think our app's going to continue to expand and become more user friendly. Yeah. So, um, and we've welcomed people to visit our website and give us feedback, um, and ask questions, uh, you know, as much as it just helps us to understand what the consumer journey is and doctor journey. So,
2: yeah. And, you know, I would say that we're, we're in such a unique age right now, healthcare, has the ability to be further disrupted. We're seeing it on a daily basis. And, you know, we have a supercomputer that lives in our hands. So how are we using that information? How is the, how are you as a person using the data that you generate on a daily basis? How are you using that for you? Versus giving that away to Amazon, which I do on a daily basis, basically, Um, or, you know, any other app, we have this ability to help ourselves. Um, And, you know, it's exciting for me to to be able to take something that had happened in my life and combine it with what I've been doing. You know, something sad that happened in my life. Right. Um, But. You know, use that and take my experiences and use my experience in the tech world, um, and and the, the the startup world, and bring that together so that we can actually, you know, give. I hope a better voice to the patient, and as well as the doctor too, and the healthcare provider. So, um, you know, I'm very excited about this journey, and so glad that I got to meet. Marta as she comes along with my craziness um, (laughs) as we do this uh, as we do this together and, and, and the folks over at chariot,
1: you know, I'm I'm happy,
2: we're happy to have those partners as well.
1: Well, I'm just so excited that you guys came on the show. I know we had to postpone once before and I'm glad to have you both here because I think this is a conversation that's so important in this day and age, with all the changes that are happening in the world and the ever-increasing number of chronic cases that are going on, and the more and more demands on the doctors. I mean, Dr. Right. Be- Becca Marta, just you working during COVID, I want to say thank you to that, because I'm sure you were on the front lines a lot with people you know, having these respiratory and upper issues that they would come to an ENT for. So thank you very much for you and your staff's service during all this time. The the fact that this is now something that a conversation is happening about and people are asking questions is so critical. That's why I wanted to have you on the show. And um, I'm a huge supporter of the two of you and the work you're doing. Thanks so So much. keep, Keep it up. Thank you so
2: much, Laura, for having us and letting people know about Journal My Health and, and uh, you know, hopefully it'll help them on their health journey.
1: And okay. where can they get the app? Is it iPhone only, iPhone, Android? Yeah,
2: Android and iPhone. Very excited about that.
1: Um,
2: yeah, and uh, download it, use it. Get Like Marta said, give us the feedback. Um, okay. We want to continue to create a really good product.
1: It's great. I, I, I love you know, seeing the progressions and all that. So uh, we will be having further conversations. Great.
2: Thank you, Laura. for being
1: here. Hope feel- Oop, did i fine. Oop, did I cut you off and you had a thought? No, nope, that-, that was it. Just wanted okay. to wish you good health. All right. Thank you. All right, everybody. You know, this was a, a different kind of conversation, but you know that I am all about making a difference and showing you some new questions to ask. So hopefully you will download the, my journal, my health journal, my journal, um, app and start using it, start tracking your health, whether you have a chronic issue or not, you know, track how good you feel because you know what, sometimes it's really helpful to track. I'm feeling good so that you have something it to, uh, If you want to reach out to anybody here, you can get to them on on their website as well, or just reach out to me and I'll give you their information. I want to thank you all for supporting me while I've been off the grid, and uh, I am back now. So thank you, everybody, for all of your support on social media when you're like, where'd you go for the last month? But I am back. Have a great day, everyone.
0: You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.